You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Ryan Ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer, he reaches in a right back runner. He's not Scott Griffin. He's just fought. Still Griffin. Oh my goodness, Scott Parker for the KO of Still Griffin. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Bush tells the linesman, "Get the heck out of my kitchen." Oh, he absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. Bashir staggered by a big left hand by Wade Beeland. Chris Nyland on a penalty shot. Scores! Blue guard down the wing. Blue guard pulls away. Score! Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 87 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who drop the gloves and the fans who enjoy watching them do it. My first player interview in a while today, and as you can tell by the title, that is none other than Chris Ortabody, formerly of the Worcester Railers and the Orlando Solar Bears in the ECHL. Uh, I interviewed Chris earlier last year. Um, I think it was actually after the season ended last year as well, and kind of talk about his first year pro and everything like that. And he made it quite. A, he had quite the following in the Clash of the Coast tournament. So, um, you know, I figured I'd get him back on and talk about what it was like. You know, fighting uh, Nico Blatchman again, fighting Kyle Newber for the first time, and then uh, Austin Crosley. So, uh, I had a great time talking with Chris Ortabody. I mean, fantastic dude. Um, so if you're if we're here to listen to Chris Ortabody, I would suggest skipping ahead probably about 15 to 20 minutes because this is actually going to be one of the longer intros I do. Normally I always keep these intros at about five minutes, but quite a few things have happened uh, in the in the past few few days slash weeks or whatever you want to call it since the uh, the last episode of the podcast. All positive things, by the way, you know, some good things, uh, good happenings going on with the podcast actually. So uh, stay tuned for that. But before I go any further, of course, I got to mention the boys, the fellow fellow podcasters out there uh you know you got joe lazito over at the coliseum chronicles slash the nordiques knuckles podcast um as you can tell by those names uh with the coliseum chronicles he's an islander enforcer podcast and then with nordiques knuckles clearly obviously 
Quebec Nordique players uh, and enforcers. So I encourage you to check out. Joe's got a tremendous back catalog. And actually, you know, I know a lot of you that listen uh, are primarily ECHL fans. Joe actually just did part one. Uh, he released it on Monday. I also, I apologize if my the P's and T's on this are still a little messy. I gotta order. I gotta reorder the pop filter. Uh, Amazon lost it, and I had no clue where it went. So, gotta reorder that. So, my apologies still if uh, some of the the P's and T's are a little bit loud. Uh, but where were we? Oh yeah, Joe Lazito. Um, yes, no. So he just did part one with Ross Olson of the Orlando Solar Bears. Um, and so part one is mostly a lot of his junior stuff in like the USHL or the NAHL and some great stories on there. Some Seinfeld talk, just tremendous. And part two, I believe, is going to be when we start getting into his pro uh, his pro section of the careers. So I encourage you to check it out. Ross Olson, tremendous guests on there. And Joe's got a great back catalog of guys, whether it's on the Nordiques Knuckles pod or the uh, Coliseum Chronicles. So I encourage you to go check those out. But, yep, for you East Coast League fans out there, which I know there's plenty of you after this, definitely go check out that interview with Ross Olson. And I think part two will be out Monday. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Um, but, you know, stay up to date with the Nordiques Knuckles slash Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box podcast with Joe Lazito. Uh, the other one is, of course, I got to congratulate him, actually. Holy cow. 300 episodes. Darren over at the Fourth Line Voice. And what better way to sync the ratings than to have Jay out in Iowa on? Holy shit. You know. I had Jay on my show a while back, you know, it was really more so to, you know, you kind of bring the show down a bit so that it's, it's all up from there. You know, people might tune into that and think, oh, this is terrible, but you see having Jay on, it's kind of gets the shit out of the way. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but no, so they, they went over some SPHL talk and uh, Jay's a fantastic guy. Of course, I had him on for the Top Rowski special. I'd had him on when we did the, uh, I think it was the top 10 toughest Quad City Mallards that I, oh, we had the, the <laughs> we had the Atlanta Gladiators game going on in the back ground versus the um oh it was the Iceman because Travis Howe got in a fight with I think it was Michael Turner at the time um so yeah great time mid mid podcast stopping to go and watch the fight yeah real professional podcast I run here um but no so he just did an episode Jay's a season ticket holder up there in Quad City for the uh Iowa or excuse me the Quad City Storm so uh, I kind of did a year in review and I was recently on the fourth line voice as well to kind of do a year in review for the ECHL and all the, the players and stuff in there. Um, and mostly, mostly the fighters um, and kind of talk about what, what guys are still around, what, what the fights look like this year for the league. Let me turn my sound up just a touch. Um, so yeah, I encourage you to go check it out, but yes, congratulations to Darren uh, for 300 episodes. You know, I haven't even hit a hundred yet and I feel like I've already, it's done a lot. And I remember, Way back in the day, and the the twilight years of his uh, his podcast was um, he actually had it on YouTube. The first three episodes he ever did were on YouTube. It was on his YouTube channel, The Fourth Line Voice. And I don't even know if people remember uh, listening to that. I, I wonder how many people actually listened to. It. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so I I remember starting the hum- the humble beginnings of the Fourth Line Voice and. Um, you know, congratulations to him. 300 episodes, it's a huge accomplishment. And like you said, there's a stat out there somewhere where it basically says uh, the average podcast lasts anywhere between 7 and 11 episodes. So uh, somehow I've I have exceeded that, but Darren has well surpassed that and has done a fantastic job doing it. He, of course, covers enforcers from all different leagues. So if you have, you got guys like John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, uh, guys like that, uh, tremendous back catalog on both those shows. So I encourage you to go check that out. Some big time happenings for the podcast here. So, uh, well, for starters, as if you follow, excuse me, if you follow the podcast on social media, you will know that the prototype or the sample, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the Five for Fighting podcast merch 
was sent to me by Hit Club Hockey Supply, and I, I was able to post the picture, post the hat, and the T-shirt that uh, was sent to me as a sample, and they were basically just waiting for me to get waiting for my approval of it so we can get going on production for it and it looks like we're going to be starting that i think at the very end of this month early next month um i don't have exact days so i've been asked a couple times you know when's it going to drop when's it going to drop so i don't have an exact date but basically in the coming weeks it'll be there and believe me when it's about to drop you'll know because i think we're gonna you know do some promos and stuff for it beforehand but i encourage you to go check out hit club hockey supply uh there are brands specifically pretty much for like the tough guys and then the enforcers around minor pro hockey and just minor pro hockey in general um it's great they sign player uh you like partner with players that are in that kind of role they got chris ordabody anthony collins shaw boomauer brandon yemens um i think they actually got alex gallant too or, or excuse me no brett gallant sorry i was gonna say i know it's one of the gallant brothers but brett gallant as well so uh i mean that's right up our alley right you know if you've been listening to the show for a while you know that's obviously who who we focus on in the show here so uh, I encourage you to go check out Hit Club Hockey Supply. Looking forward to the merch drop, and stay tuned for that, folks, because it should be coming in the next few weeks. Um, that being said, also with the podcast, um, so I've been asked a couple times. Um, once I, because as you know, if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, you know most of the time, up until about last year, I would just kind of do solo episodes here and there, and it was mostly player interviews with players from all different leagues. Well, um, I don't know what it is, but getting player interviews has been very, very difficult. Even before I stopped doing the podcast for a bit, I was having a lot of trouble getting players on. Um, and, and I noticed it, if you, or excuse me, if you noticed the past few players I've had on, aside from a couple one-offs, most of them have been ECHL players because it's been it's been the league I've been following, and what uh, those players are the ones who have responded and actually gotten back to me on doing the podcast. So you know, like I've had Nico Ortabody, um, Collins, Frazier, guys like that on. So uh, hopefully we keep the train rolling on the ECHL. But by, basically, I've been asked a few times. You know, would you ever do a full-time ECHL podcast? Um, the short answer, yes and no, I guess. Um, I will say, I will say this: the short answer is yes, but the problem is, I I want to make sure it's going to be something good because I think that, and I took a poll on Instagram for a lot of the the listeners or followers, whatever you want to call it, um, and a lot of them said the same thing. I said. Would you rather, basically I gave him two choices. I said, would you rather the podcast focus on, you know, enforcers and also cover the ECHL or just stick to strictly just enforcers, which is what I've been doing since the inception of this podcast. Um, and the overwhelming majority of those votes went to having the podcast, but also still covering the ECHL uh, along with tough guys, excuse me, tough guys. So that was the overwhelming uh, answer. Now, that being said, it's not as easy as it sounds, and I, I I shouldn't say that. The way I prefer to do podcasting, I like to be prepared. I like to have notes. I like to know, at least somewhat sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, now, does that always happen and translate? Well, probably not because I'm not the brightest crayon in the box, but... I when when I if I were to do the ECHL podcast, which I'm very much considering, and I probably will end up doing it, um, it's just going to be a lot of research. It is a lot of research to handle for one person, 
Um, and I don't know if I, I would be more than happy to have guests on and stuff like that. And not necessarily enforcers, uh, just like fans of different teams or something like that. You know, if you're a diehard comments fan, I'd love to hear, uh, you know, your experience at comic games or, you know, just an example, something like that. Um, but for me as one person to cover the league, I don't know how much I'll be doing roster changing because as you know, with the ECHL, it is very up and down in terms of players getting called in, going up, going down. Um, it's not as accessible. It's accessible, but to go back and I'd have to go back and watch all these games on Flow Sports or whatever to see, you know, to, to know what I'm talking about so I can give accurate description to teams. So kind of what I've thought about doing, and I've I've asked around from people too, um, and Darren came up with a really good idea, was basically just covering a division a week. Um because actually, sorry, I don't mind Gates in the background barking. Um, I got I got some news coming out for the podcast that will probably bring the podcast back to one episode a week, which I'll get to that in a bit. Um, but it was basically just kind of covering a division a week, so I'm not overwhelming myself. And I was like, you know, that sounds pretty good. I think that's manageable. Um, so I think that's what I'm going to do. And when and I, I don't want people to think either if you're a longtime listener that I'm going to stop talking about enforcers and fighters. That's, that's not it at all. That's actually like the exact opposite. Cause that's, that's what I want to maintain the most. It's, it's going to be kind of maybe a trial run with ECHL stuff. And if it doesn't pan out and people don't like it, then, you know, Hey, tried it and it is what it is. But if uh, for whatever reason, a player that I asked about, you know, months ago or whatever, and they would never play in the ECHL and they said they want to do an interview, I'd still be more than happy to interview guys in the enforcer and tough guy role. I don't ever want it to be just strictly doing ECHL, not talking about fights at all. Cause that's just, that, that wouldn't be fun for me. Um, obviously I still like the enforcers, the fighting, uh, the tough guy role. And those are the players I'll always gravitate to. So I, I would prefer to probably stay interviewing them just because I, as weird as it sounded, I thought about it the other day. I know I could probably come up with it, but I wouldn't know how to interview a goal scorer. That's not my niche. It's out of my, uh, out of my comfort zone. There's <laughs> interviewing goal scorers. So I would definitely, definitely still stick with trying to interview the tough guys and enforcers around the league. Um, but like I said, even if it's a player that's not in the ECHL or never played in there, but they're still an enforcer and a tough guy in that role, I would still be more than happy to interview them and have them on the show. Um, so what I think I'm going to end up doing is kind of doing this trial run with talking about the league once the conference finals start, just to kind of dabble my toes in in the water there a little bit and see how manageable it is just, just doing those four teams at the time, whoever it's going to be in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. Um because even right now talking, like there were series I missed. I, I basically pretty much just only watched the Cincinnati and um, Fort Wayne series along with the Florida and Jacks, or excuse me, Florida and um, South Carolina. I couldn't remember who the hell they played. Sorry. Um, I'm, now my mind's all over because they're already playing Jacksonville uh, this coming week. So I could, I, for whatever reason, I wanted to say Jacksonville, but they played Greenville. Um, so, yes, when the Everblades took on the Stingrays, I watched that series quite a bit, but... Um, other than that, it wasn't like I was watching any of the other ones. It's just cause there's only so much time in the day I'm still working. So it's a, it's going to be a work in progress. And like I said, I don't think I'm going to start really kind of covering it until not this upcoming playoff round, but the next one, the, the conference finals when there's, you know, four teams remaining. So I think I'll do that, but the, I, I would, I think I can make, do a pretty solid job at covering the ECHL. We'll see how it goes. Um, but again, I don't want people to think I'm straying away from tough guys and enforcers because that's not going to happen at all. That'll never happen on this podcast. Uh, so 
we will see what happens. And there's some good series coming up too. I did round round three or what are we in round or sorry? No round two round two is going to be a good one. Um, we got Florida playing Jacksonville. I'm very curious to see how that one goes. Cause now that Howe is back with Jacksonville for the playoffs and Newber still on the playoff roster. We'll see. And Newber played quite a bit in the first round, uh, as well. So I think we'll get some good ice time versus Jacksonville. So I'm curious to see if Newber and Howe will drop the gloves and have, uh, I believe they're on round eight would be that, that would be the running count for this fight or they're, they're, they're clashing or whatever you want to call it. They've fought about eight times now, or excuse me, seven times. So I believe this would be round eight. Um, another one I'm interested in is Cincinnati and Toledo. I know that's a great rivalry that goes back. Uh, so I, those are the two that caught my eye, but I'm, I'm going to try to focus definitely on watching a bunch of uh, games. So we'll see how it goes. Like I said, it's nothing, nothing set in stone, but I think it's going to be a good time. And I'd love to, you know, interview fans. I have no issue doing that at all. Um, that's what the, what's what makes this fun. I don't want, I want it to still be fun. I never want podcasting like that's how it was before. Um, for the last like two months I was doing it or whatever. I never wanted to feel tiresome or like I, it's just not fun anymore because it sucks. What do you get? You always want to do something that's fun. Um, especially this being a hobby. Uh, but we will see how it goes. So if you have any insights on what you want me to talk about with the ECHL or possible show ideas, then please, by all means, run them my way. I'm all ears to any any suggestions from folks. So um, one last thing before I get going and we send it over to Chris Ordebody. I know I apologize. This is going kind of long. I always like to keep these intros between five and ten minutes, and I'm here I am running on 15, so I apologize, folks. Um, but some more good news for the podcast. I uh, This will be the last time... I do the podcast without uh, being on a network. And what that means is I was offered a contract from the hockey podcast network that Darren is a fourth line voice is a part of. So um, talked with Kyle today on a, on a video call and sent the contract my way. All I got to do is pretty much just read over it again and sign it. And I will be a part of the hockey podcast network on probably the next podcast. So that's some very exciting news and, uh, you know, by the time this episode comes out, I would have already signed the contract and, uh, you know, I'm already, the wheels are already in motion. So looking forward to being a part of the hockey podcast network. Uh, it's crazy to think that the show, you know, stopped, stopped doing it. And the only reason it got revived was really because of the boys over at hit club asking me about, you know, do we still want to do merch and stuff and, you know, really kind of piquing my interest in it again. And now lo and behold, we got merch coming and people are excited for that. I, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying doing podcasting again. We've got the hockey podcast network. I'm going to be a part of now. So, um, it's it's been a lot of fun and it's been cool to see that even after you know really i mean really being in like the worst place mentally i've been in a long time um and you know to come back and have all this cool stuff and all this support and all, all these these people that still enjoy the content of the podcast and still support it and participated in like clash of the coast and players that still enjoy it and uh you know the list goes on it's been it's been so awesome to see so to everybody out there, thank you. It doesn't happen without you guys. If Whether you listen to one podcast or all of them, and if this is your first time listening, I hope you uh, you stick around and tune in because I'm hoping to get more more players on as the weeks go on, as the offseason kind of carries on. I, I always like to wait a couple weeks and let players kind of rejuvenate and um, you know let them have their fun. They've been play, playing and talking hockey for the past few months. So if it's the off season, I always give it a couple of weeks, let the boys unwind and uh, hopefully catch them after that. That way, you know, they got they, their schedule is hopefully less busy. So 
Uh, but anyways, guys, that is the big news for the podcast. And like I said, looking forward to working with the boys over there at the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, they're, they must have sunk really low if they're now signing me on there with Darren. So <laughs> uh, no, I kid. But if you want to follow the podcast, check it out on all social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All you got to do is look up Five for Fighting Pod and you will or just search Five for Fighting Podcast. It'll pull up right away on all the platforms. So um, I've gone long enough. Like I said, this has been long-winded. So without further ado, we will pass it over to Chris Ordabody. Thank you, everybody, for the support of the podcast. And I hope to catch you guys in the next episode. Here is Chris Ordabody, everybody. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, folks, today on the Five for Fighting podcast, appearing for the second time to do a season in review, and he probably had one of the strongest followings in the Clash of the Coast tournament uh, from the Worcester Railers and their booster club, the Ice Crew, everybody and their brother, and that is Chris Ordabody, not just anybody, folks. <laughs> Chris, how you doing today, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Glad to be man. back on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know, it's, it's, I gotta say, man, well, before we get going into your hockey career and you know the season that you just had, you know, what have you been up to in the off season? I know <laughs> it's only been like lot. it's only been like a week and a half, two weeks, or yeah. Whatever, but yeah, what you been up to, man? Not a whole lot. Um, right after the season ends, and and probably for about like two to. Two weeks to a month. I, I don't like to be on the ice too much, but I I uh, like to get in the gym. So, just been lifting, and besides that, just just hanging out, just chilling, trying to get some rest. Yeah, there you go, man. Well, I know you're you're into like you're into um like race cars and stuff, right? Uh, yeah. What what so what? Yep. Which like uh, I said for sorry, my my race knowledge is very limited. Like, what league do you watch? If that makes sense, like IndyCar, um, Formula One. Yeah, so I'm mostly a Formula One fan. Gotcha. Um, so like this weekend is the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Um, so this morning I was watching uh, watching qualifying. They have like a weird um, weird format to this weekend. They have a, a sprint race uh, um, on Saturday, which is typically when qualifying happens. And it's a new it's like a new thing this year where the sprint doesn't affect the grid order for the Sunday race. It's just I'm probably losing people and talking about this. But like <laughs> no, so anyway, good, I'm excited like watching. Uh, watch a lot of formula one i also follow rally in uh both north america and the um and the wrc um north american rally super small so like i like supporting it um i even volunteer like at some rallies um um and um besides that like i, I follow a little bit like endurance uh racing so like um like the FIA WEC and, uh, and also like IMSA racing here. Actually, when I was down in Orlando, I got to go to, um, the 24 hours of Daytona, which was, which oh, was really yeah. sick. That's awesome. Um, man. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm a big, big race fan and summer is when that picks up. So I'm, I'm following a lot of, a lot of racing, uh, all summer long and, and watching it and try to go to as many events and stuff as possible. So yeah, right on, man. I know that, I don't know if they do it anymore. I know they used to, I think it was either formula one or Indy, but they used to race in the city of St. Pete down there in Florida. And yeah, I don't they, know if they still do that. It's an Indy car race. It's, That's what it's it was. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. Like they literally close off the streets and it's just like, I, and I've heard the one in Montreal is like insane to go to. Yeah, that's definitely on the bucket list. That's a Formula One race in Montreal. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, with 
with the Netflix series that that follows Formula One called Drive to Survive, it's um, it's getting a lot more popular in North America. Formula One is so they're having like races in Miami. Um, there's a new race in Vegas. There's the one in Montreal. Um, so like they're starting to be more opportunities to go, but the tickets are so expensive that I don't know <laughs> if I'll ever make it to one. But right, maybe maybe someday. Yeah, no, for sure, man. That's awesome. Uh, well, so, you know, getting into your, your season here, you actually ended up in Orlando to start the season. Then you, you finished yep. off it back in Worcester. Uh, I know you were there. You finished off the season there last year as well. But how did yep. you how'd you end up in Orlando this year? Um, so that's that's actually kind of a funny story. I uh, I was signed with, um, with Worcester, um, you know, during the summer. Um, you know, I ended the year with their, with them, you know, then they signed me in, in July. Um, but then a week before training camp, I ended up breaking my, my finger, had to get surgery on it. And, um, it's kind of like a funny thing. It's like the most East coast league thing of all time. But if you don't, if you're not ready to go at training camp, if you don't pass the, the physical, the team can release you. So, um, uh, any point after that that you're injured like they can't like you have to be on on ir but um literally one week before training camp i i broke my finger and um and that kind of put me in a bad spot so i ended up getting released from Worcester. um and then um actually really quickly after i got the the letter from uh from the doctor saying that i was cleared to play um i reached out to my buddy um ross olson who is the captain down in orlando and uh said hey like just wanted to see like i don't know like i know like this is a tough time because you know season's pretty much just starting but i wanted to see whether there'd be any opportunity and then he was like hey let me let me uh let me go talk to karks after practice he talks to karks and then literally within like a day or two i'm like down there in florida (laughs) and i was just so pumped because i was pretty bummed about like how everything kind of went down and not being able to start the year and i felt like i had a really good off season and felt like i had really made improvements in my game and then to, (laughs) to have that luck was brutal but then it felt like it wasn't so bad when I got down to Orlando and got into the sunshine. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, well, you brought him up, and I was actually going to ask you about him too. Uh, and I know he was on my buddy Joe Lazito Coliseum Chronicle show a while yeah. back, but you're, it was his first year coaching, and he was your head coach down in Orlando. But Matt Karkner, uh, former yeah. tough guy in the NHL of all people, how was yeah. it? How was it playing for Matt Karkner, man? It was great. Yeah. I have nothing but good things to say about Karks. He ran uh, an amazing uh, room down there where um, everything was really structured. Everything was really organized. You could tell like all of his experience, you know, at the NHL and American league level uh, translated. And um, you know, also that just that organization as a whole is really well run, but, but he, he had everything really dialed in like all of our practices was was dialed in is on the board right when we got in like everything was just very very well structured and organized so everyone knew exactly what was going on you know you know ahead of time right um there was good i felt like pretty good communication with him and i thought i think like of the coaches i've had in the league um he he definitely like his 
his experience definitely did show like he was a new coach, but like his uh, relatively, I think he was an assistant in Bridgeport for a couple of seasons beforehand, but new to being a head coach, but kind of the, the experience that he had in his playing career definitely translated to, to, to his coaching really well. So, yeah. Well, and, and he just, you know, he just really commands a presence, you know, and I think like that's part of like, uh, you know, the career that he had and, and, and also just his personality, like he's a really confident, you know, person that really just has a, a big presence and, and um, yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I was going to ask too, you know, and I just, you know, probably a stupid question, but did, did you ever have, or did Karks ever show you guys like some fight tips at all by any chance? You, you Maza and Olsen, you, the, <laughs> the trio down there running the muck in yeah. Orlando. Yeah. I don't, uh, I I don't think he would he would mind me saying this, but but yeah, for sure, like definitely guys had to seek it out. But if they asked questions, he would definitely give answers. So um, it wasn't something like you know like that we had in practice, but like right, uh, definitely. I mean, it would you would be crazy not to ask ask him for for his opinions and his tips and and techniques and um, yeah. So I definitely picked up some things from him. Um, some things that that he did and and tried to do are very different from things that like I've kind of picked up from other people, which mm-hmm. was really interesting. But um, but also like I think it's also good like if there's not always a um, you know unanimous decision about something, if you can you know hear some other opinions, I, I think that's good and that only makes you better and you can kind of take what you like and discard what you don't. And I think that's how you how you improve so it's kind of kind of cool to hear yeah for sure and I, I think it's important too it's i don't think it's a bad thing at all with him showing showing guys what to do to drop the gloves i think it's important people should know how to defend themselves in the case that ever yeah. happens it's not like not saying you know somebody's gonna go up to matt carter and say can you teach me how to fight and then go off and be the next bob probert or whatever of the echl yeah. but i think it's a it's a good thing to have in the back pocket for guys because i it it always brings me back and like one of the best examples was doug smith the uh, the inspiration for the movie goon for those that don't know used to be actually he was the fight coach for the Providence Bruins and he would hang a heavy bag from the jumbotron and guys would swing on that now I don't think you know I don't see a fight fight class like that happening anytime soon um, yeah but I remember last year you know Steve Martinson while while Allen was um I, I think it was a home game in Allen but I they were playing Idaho and Yablonski was down there and he actually had Yablonski come in and show the guys of Allen yeah. a couple fight tips. I think it's just an important thing to do and make sure yeah. that guys can kind of protect themselves and at least, you know, they're not getting knocked out or they know how to defend against, you know, if somebody drops the glove to them. Yeah, I I I a thousand percent am all all behind that. I've heard the stories about Yablonski coming down and, and that <laughs> that's pretty legendary. He he's a legend. Um, but yeah, it's always better to be the uh the warrior in the garden than the gardener in the war. So exactly. Uh, yeah. Better yeah. to have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, man, so I guess before we get into your fight card, you know, how was it? Well, you've played, you played with Olsen before in Worcester, right? Yep. Yep. Well, how was, was it reuniting with him down there in Orlando? Was that a good time? It was a great feeling. Yeah. And, and, and we had, we had some, some big characters in that room and, and to him being the captain, it, it made it so it was familiar right away, and and I felt good right away. And um, I think that they were a really talented team, you know, um, top to bottom. They had some really good players, and 
Um, definitely Olsen's real tough and Maz is real tough, but I think that they were looking for a little bit more of that. So I think like, um, I think that they were ha really happy to have me, um, definitely, um, uh, initially, you know, I think, um, everyone seemed like pretty pumped for me to be there. So I felt really welcomed and really, really energized. Um, so. Yeah, well, yeah, I, was, I mean, I know I was excited when I saw you sign down in the South Division because I was like, well, just another yeah. another dude in the South Division because, uh, you know, the South Division was kind of just stacked. Um, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that, your first fight, of course, was actually against Kyle Nuber this year. Yeah. Um, and take us through that first fight you had with him. Yeah, so um, that was one of my first games in Orlando, and I think it was one of my first home games, if not maybe the first home game that I, that I had. And... Um, you know, um, I can't remember what period it was, but there was a battle along the boards and Oli had his, his, uh, his face, you know, like he was facing the glass. So his back was turned and, uh, Muber comes and, and hits him and he, and Oli goes down real heavy. And so I just kind of like insta shed and, and beeline right over and, and grab Muber and, <laughs> And, um, and noobs, you know, he's real experienced guy and, uh, you know, he's been around long, but, uh, he was kind of, I think, surprised that I just insta shed and grabbed him right away. But he also knew that like, I probably should have gotten an instigator. So like, he was a little bit slow to drop his gloves and like, he like was looking at, you know, like I and the, the, the Ralph, yeah, like, the, hey, the, the, the wily like... vet knowing when to, when to, you know. <laughs> Yeah. put the glue on a little bit for just a little bit longer you know yeah so like <laughs> so like i grab uh, so like i grab him and i'm holding on and i don't throw a punch because i'm like if i throw the first punch and start hanging him i'm really gonna get the instigator yeah. so like i'm like i'm like waiting i see him he's like looking at the looking at the ref like dude this is an instigator <laughs> and and i and, and like i'm like come on let's go let's go let's go and then like eventually like he like, like sighs and drops his gloves He's like okay yeah let's go and then uh i let him throw the first punch and uh yeah then then we go at it like uh i um he you know he's so big and strong and and um i think like up until that point like the guys that i fought like seems like i was able to manipulate you know my opponent's weight pretty well and and sort of out muscle him and use my size and strength advantage. But he was the first guy that I encountered where it's just like, man, like, just I like, can't really like, throw him off balance. Like, a, that like much. holding he's a so, Mack truck. <laughs> yeah. Like he's so heavy, but like what I underestimated is like, yeah, he's so heavy, but he's also so freaking strong. So, uh, I, I eventually get free and I land one, like right on his cheek, pretty good. And then, um, he gets free and he lands one on the top of my helmet, like maybe two. Um, and then like, we just kind of get tied up and, and the, the linesmen get in there pretty quick. But, um, but yeah, that, that was the, that was the first one with us. And, you know, it was a little bit of a end of the shift. I think it was a little bit later in the shift, probably for him than me. Um, but he had one, like we were, it was in the RT zone and he gets the puck and, and I backtrack pretty hard on him and have a pretty good hit on him earlier in that shift. And then like puck eventually comes back into our zone and that's, that's when the fight happens. So it was definitely like 
not not a super like we, both of us weren't weren't super fresh for that one right. so i think that maybe like we both tied up and then i think maybe the linesman kind of had that feeling but i definitely felt like i could have kept going um you know had i gotten free again and i had some some more stamina and you know he probably did too but um yeah so that one that one didn't go super long but it was uh yeah it was a good one and it was a good feeling to have my that first one under under my belt and to have it at home at the Amway is a pretty special feeling because that building is awesome and 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 the, the atmosphere there with with all those fans is is pretty cool so yeah for sure um well, you know, and I got to ask you about round two. And of course, the the big question a lot of people had was the fight stance you had going into it. Yeah. You know, you had your arms almost like straight out. Where did that yeah. where did that kind of come from? Yeah. So um, I think like it definitely maybe isn't like doesn't look that cool. And I know like some people like think it looks kind of funny and fair enough. Like I probably agree with you. But um, the big thing that that I look for not to give too much away is like, I think you have an advantage if you have a high guard rather than grabbing low. Yeah. So, um, so I just try to, and I know that like, like when you, when you box, you have more, you're more worried about receiving a body shot because the body shot makes you drop, drop your hands and it opens up, uh, opens up a shot to your, to your face. And when you box, you're, you're much more able to, observe distance because you can see steps happening so even though you're not watching your opponent's feet you can uh you can see when they take a step and so that helps you judge distance it's much harder on ice because you're gliding and also you have pads on you have you know your shoulder pads which cover you know down by your side and you have pants that cover down by your side so you're not ever really too worried like no one's going to lead with a body shot so basically for two reasons like one i got my hands up high to protect my face just in case someone comes in quick and and hits right away which i didn't think nuber would do because like typically like he likes to come kind of slow and i've never really seen him like throw one right from the get-go but like just in case like i don't think there's any downside to get the hands real high and tuck your chin and then like i almost extend my hand a little bit just so that like it's there for a high grab and I can establish that high grab early. So it might kind of look goofy, but that's kind of like my strategy with it. And then like, I'm generally pretty relaxed when I'm fighting, um, which I think has its like pros and cons to it. Like, I think sometimes I can be like a little bit more aggressive, but, um, but like, so my hands were kind of re- relaxed. I wasn't like super like clenched fists. Cause right. I feel like when you're really like, if you're really tense and you clench fists like too much, like you just throw like kind of awkwardly. So my hands are like kind of relaxed and yeah, it's like, looks like the karate kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. <laughs> right. Well, um, no, man, if it works for you though, then that's, I mean, if, if it's working for you, that's fine. And I mean, yeah, you, you ended up on the, the bad half of that fight against Nuber in round two, but I mean, yeah, it's Nuber and it's, yeah. it's there's no shame in that. Um, yeah, and, for sure. I mean, you definitely, I, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like for sure. He definitely got the better of me there. Um, he has a ton of power and most of his shots, I think all of his shots were like actually in my helmet, but there was just like so much power on him. They, they <laughs> forced me off balance. And like, I put my hand down and I was trying to get up and he just like, he just kept going boom, boom, boom and kept on, kept on landing them. Um, 
so I never was able to really like regain my balance. Um, that was also kind of a funny one um, to, to initiate that one because I think maybe the last time we played them or maybe it was the time before that, we were also playing um, in Fort Myers and <clears throat> I think we were up maybe 6-1 or 6-2 and he had asked me to go and I said, you know, and it was one of the times when Karks was like, hey, like, we don't want to give them anything. We don't want to give this crowd, like, involved. And, you know, we're up, like, let's just give them nothing. Right. So, like, it was pretty clear, like, like, Karks didn't want me to, like, go. Um, and I, I hate turning down fights, especially like when a guy is like asking me, like, especially like that. And he's not doing something stupid. Like, because in my mind, if I say no, then like, he's going to maybe do something to force my hand, which puts like my teammates, you know, like a little bit at jeopardy. So I didn't feel good about it. And then like, I don't know if you watch the video, like noobs is like waving to the crowd, like, like trying to like almost like in what I felt like was embarrassed me a little bit, yeah. but I was just like saying like, Hey, like noobs, like we're going to have our opportunity. Like, I know you want one at, at home. Um, like I get it. Like I would want one at home. You gave me one, you know, when I was home and I told him like, we're going to have an opportunity later. So, um, so when, when I chat, uh, so then the time when he did fight, when he, you know, got, got the better of me, um, um i think we were down by one it was in there in their barn again and um we were all lined up off of a face off and i just said hey like do you want one and he was he was like surprised he was like really and i was like yeah i told you i'd, I'd give you a <laughs> and, he was, and he was like no not now and i was like come on like what do you mean not now like i thought you wanted one and then he was like he kind of like he he, he kind of was like ah okay <laughs> so it was like it was like kind of a funny interaction where he was like so he was like kind of like surprised i asked because like he hadn't done anything crazy we were down by one so it was like kind of a good time to get us going a little bit but it was just like hey like do you want one he was just like no like what do you mean <laughs> like what are you talking about <laughs> and then i was like well i told you i'd give you one like let's go let's have one and he was like no oh, okay <laughs> that's awesome man um, well, one thing I got to ask with, so with Nuber and this was something I discussed with Darren over at the fourth line voice, he had me on to do a kind of a year in review of like just general talk about all the tough guys and ECHL fights that happened this past year. And one thing I've started to kind of, I mean, maybe this is just me as a fan noticing is now we're in that transition period where you get guys like Nuber where they were in junior and I mean, they were, that was his role from junior to even now it's still his role. When you're fighting a guy like Kyle Newber compared to the other combatants you've had, do you, and I think you alluded to it in your first in the first fight um, when you were talking about it, but is, do you notice like the actual like that difference of caliber between a guy like Kyle Newber and the other guys? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely the toughest opponent that I've had is him. Um, both obviously because of his size and strength, but like even even when I felt like I got free, like I felt like I was struggling, especially in the second one to to land clean clean punches and um you know i definitely looking back on it there's things that i think i could do differently to try to set myself up um 
set myself up for things but um but yeah he's he's just really good at what he does and he, he's <laughs> yeah. really good at playing his role and he's really good at fighting and um he's had a really good career and it's for a good reason it's because he's he's good at it like yeah. so yes i do definitely notice <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure because i i was thinking about that because it's like you know it's rare to, it's actually more rare today to see guys like yourself or nico or crosley coming up where it's less common in junior to kind of come up fighting, but you know, yeah. and I know you didn't, you didn't play in like major junior hockey up in Canada or anything yeah. like that. So it's even more rare for yourself uh, to do that. So I've just kind of noticed it's like, you know, this is the newer age, tough guy coming in where it's you know, it's more so guys that are, just, they're willing to drop the gloves, but they haven't been set in that role. Like it, like in junior um, kind of like Kyle Newber or something like that was, or um, like Anthony Collins back in the day too, coming yeah. up from you know, that style of play as well. So, um, I was just curious to see if it was like, you know, that extra step above compared to other guys you fought. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I noticed a difference. And definitely, I think like, it's kind of an interesting debate that can be had about the role in, in junior hockey. Um, cause I, I do kind of see both sides of it. Um, which I think probably people will be surprised to know that, like, I do kind of understand both sides yeah. because, I mean, definitely, um, definitely, uh, you know, I, I, I really, really uh, agree with and, and respect the guys that say that this gives an opportunity to some guys that otherwise wouldn't have, uh, uh, um, an opportunity. And if you look at, I can't pronounce his real name, but Wi-Fi, you know, oh, like uh, Wi-Fi Jack, is Jack eyes, I think how you pronounce it. Jack, Jack, eyes, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if you look at what he did, like he's clawed his way into the, into the NHL because he embraced that role in juniors and fought his way. And, and there's lots of other examples. So I, th I think that that's, that's for sure, you know, something that for, for those guys that have those opportunities and can fill those roles early, that, that they give themselves an opportunity that otherwise maybe they'd be completely forgotten about. Um, but I think the other side of it is like, thinking about like, I mean, we still don't really know a lot about head injury and especially head injury on a developing brain. Right. And like these are kids that are, you know, 20 to 16 years old and the difference in terms of strength and, and physical maturity of a 20 year old and a 16 year old is massive. Um, and I don't think that I don't, it's not like a 16 year old is going with a 20 year old that often, but in case, but in the situations where that, can and, and and does happen you know like i think that that is a, something that you know you should think about and and is a little bit of a concern and I, I i think about it that if i were to have a son you know like it would be tough for me to to think about like what maybe the consequences of of a 16 year old kid and a and a 20 year old you know man you know, if he's the 16 year old, you know, side of that equation, right. you know, what, what's, what are the potential repercussions that, you know, that that could happen from that. So I think it's a really difficult conversation and, and I think it's a really difficult issue and, and I definitely really see both sides on it. And, and one thing that just really frustrates me in, in general is how little we know about head injury and, and about concussions and, and um and how we diagnose them and how we treat them and and how how that all is so 
I understand. Like, I don't, I think that it was a fast decision by the queue. And I think always in those, there's, there's multiple sides of things and probably insurance and money is, is, is the root right. of it as most things. Uh, but, but I think it, I, th I think that it is a definitely a conversation that is worth having and worth thinking about. And I think like if we can kind of, I, I, I do think that both sides need to be at least heard or, or thought about. Uh, I think yeah. like it's easy to make the snap decision of being like, what the heck, this is crazy. Right. Like this yeah. is like limiting some guys opportunities and like, yeah, like I get that and I feel for it, but um, yeah, it's like something to something definitely to, to think about also like you know when you think about risk there's a level of risk that i think when you're an adult like you're willing to take like i know the risk i'm willing to take you know but like if you're a kid and you're 16 years old or you know in that extreme example like are you really in the position to to be able to make um that risk assessment it, it, that you know it's not not to like go <laughs> no, too crazy no you're good man that, but i i do think it's something worth worth kind of thinking about and and having a, a real conversation about you know no i agree 100 percent. and that well, this was funny when people have asked I've, I've had a couple people ask me about it and everybody just assumes that you know, i'm gonna be like oh that's a stupid stupid fucking rule blah 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 this and that and like i get it i get why that the rule is in place the the reason i lean more towards i i don't think it should be in is you, if you have these kids who have never been in, and even 20 years old, they've never been in a fight before ever or seen anything like that before. But then all of a sudden these kids are going pro. They're going to the, the federal league, the SP, EC, ECHL, or, you know, these high draft picks, NHL, AHL, whatever the case is. Um, now you're all of a sudden you're, you're kind of thrown to the wolves. Now you're in a league where, the, hey, these these are men. We're fighting now. And, you know, you. You line up to a guy that, like you got Wi-Fi coming in and he's lined up next to a guy with Reeves or something like that. And yeah. he's never like that's never been seen or that hasn't been seen in the OHL in years. It's like a guy like Ryan Reeves or something like that, you know. So it's just um, I but I definitely do understand the safety aspect of it. And the way I see it, if you're 18 to 20 or whatever, you know, you're, you're an adult, you can make your own decision. If you could sign up yeah. for the military, you should be allowed to fight in hockey. That's just the way. I yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm with you. When you get down one. to like yeah. the 16, 17 year old, I just, it's a yeah. gray area. And I, I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent with it. And I understand yeah. why it's, why it is yeah. the way it is. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with that. Like, uh, and, and also like on the same, same side of that coin, like I'm in favor of, uh of pushing down the age that you start checking in hockey like having that introduced earlier because yeah. i think the later that you have it the more likely that you know you're, you're unprepared that you develop bad habits you skate with your head down and, and you get blown up and i think particularly now like the point where they have it is is when kids are like hitting puberty they're all pent up and and juiced up for wanting to have physical contact and you know you're at this point where there is different levels of development physically um and i think it's a disaster and and the reason why they keep wanting to push it back is because there's always a huge drop off in terms of enrollment uh you know at that point because some people just don't like the the contact they don't like physical side of right. things and and you know and i think that's a bad decision i think they're making more of a business decision than a than a than a health decision because you know some players develop those bad habits and then you know and I, I think you should learn to how to take contact early so i definitely see that side of the argument with fighting too um but i, I think there's also like a 
a larger discussion to be had about how the whole junior hockey system uh, works, but I think that's a, that's definitely a <laughs> right. Discussion it's a different can, different can of yeah. worms, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, it's funny because we actually answered one of his questions. I was going to get to one with uh, with Kurt from Hit Club. He wanted to know what it's like to be a what is it like to be a Hit Club uh, Hit Club athlete here now, and uh, you know, kind of getting support by a brand who is uh, kind of really involved with minor pro hockey and with the boys here. Yeah, no, that's been unbelievable. Um, I I think like the bracket that that you ran, the the two things that that I was kind of happiest that came out about was. Um, the support that the brand gave me, um, and, and that the team and the booster club and, yeah. and the ice crew all gave me was, was really cool to see, but, but yeah, um, hit club has been awesome. They, uh, first of all, I, I legitimately really like their stuff. Like I would right. wear it whether they, <laughs> they hooked me up or not, but like, yeah, they've been unbelievable. I think what they're doing, um, to shine a spotlight on, on uh guys like me and and on the minor leagues is is awesome and and we need more of it because um you know i i think um i think probably the league could do a better job growing growing itself uh so i'll plead i'll plead i'll plead the fifth on that i've had my 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 days are uh, you know i'm you know it's it's in the past now. We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to throw it, throw it in the closet, shut the door, lock it, throw away the key. Um, yeah. Is, you know, I've, yeah, I've so. said my two cents on that as well. I'll say. Um, yeah. But so Kurt, it's good to, we need all the outside help that we can get and, uh, and they're doing a good job. And, and of course you are too, but yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah. That was what was drew me to them too. Was it was um, cause I had actually reached out to them, and then once I stopped the podcast, you know, I was pretty much off of social media, basically, and it was actually them who reached back out, so if it wasn't for them, I don't really know if I'd even brought the podcast back, because they were like, no, we still want to do merch or whatever, and, you know, we still love what you're doing, I was like, okay, well, if we're doing merch, I kind of can't have a podcast without, or I can't have podcast merch without doing a podcast, I was like, well, you you guys just brought the podcast back, so, you know, pat yourselves on the back for that. Um, and another question Kurt had, and I think I asked you this in the first interview we did, um, but I, you know, before we got going, we had a good example of it, but basically, you know, how does the 10 fight rule affect you in the East coast league or, you know, in the AHL, obviously I know you never played in the AHL, but you know, how does it affect the game? I know we kind of alluded to it when you got into it with Nico Blatchman, when he was with Norfolk. Um, but you know, what is your kind of mentality on that? And what do you think it does for the game itself? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I don't think it's, it's a positive. Um, I understand kind of their rationale behind it, but I think it puts guys in, into very difficult positions. Um, you know, an example of it is, is, you know, is my experience with, with Nico this year. Like uh, he was playing his role, um, you know, stirring the pot, you know, uh, shocker you know yeah <laughs> shocker uh and and there was quite a bit of season left and and he had reached his limit and um you know i i challenged him earlier in in the game um he kind of like hit me with the glove on like he told me and i told some other guys so i heard indirectly that hey he's at his limit he's not gonna go um i had a conversation with him like uh saying like hey like if you keep playing this way, like I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to have to go. Yeah. Like I I have to, (laughs) like I tell him that. And, um, you know, I ended up kind of jumping them or completely jumping them. And, (laughs) 
uh, you know, we get a, we get a five minute major for it. So, okay. Short term it advantages his team, but like, ultimately it's, I don't think it's good for any of us. Like it's, it's, it's not great. Like, especially like that was a peculiar game because there was no fans in the state stadium because there was a problem with the Zamboni. So we're like, we were playing like two, two periods worth of a hockey game the next day with no fans. So another, like, another but, like it yeah, <laughs> but like it would have been like kind of like a bad, like from like a show point of view, like it would have been like kind of a weird look on, on Nico and like kind of bad, like for the home crowd for him to like turn down when everyone knows, like that's a guy that's more than willing. Everyone would have been like, what was going on there? Right. So like, I feel like that's kind of like bad for him. It's bad for me because it's like, I don't want to jump a guy. I especially don't want to jump a guy that like is willing under any other circumstance. <laughs> right. Um, and like it's bad for my team because we go down like five minutes because I have to take an aggressor, you know, and yeah. an instigator on that. So it's like, um, and then like also like, and I think like that's an example that I think net bad for everyone involved. But I also think that, and more importantly, there's uh, times that are really bad where you know, I think the role of the enforcer and the tough guy is, is that, you know, he can help police the game and help keep his teammates safe. And if someone is, is crossing the line, then you can make the guy answer the bell and, and, and you're that threat. And I think like, if you are either in a position where it's like, they know that you're not a threat anymore because you're not going to fight because you're out of them. Like that puts you in a, in a in a disadvantaged position it makes you less valuable to your team um and it allows other the other team to take more liberties and um and, and yeah it makes you have to really pick your battles and, and put you in this weird position where you're not just acting on your instincts but you're but you're having to be calculated in a game that's so fast where there's no time to think so yeah, it just puts guys like us in a in a, a really difficult position. So, um, and I think it's just bad for the game. Like, people want to people want to see fights. It's, it's, it's a natural attraction. It's a, it's like a human element. It's like no matter from the, since the dawn of time, it's always happened. But I mean, you know, I've always said I love the ECHL, but I, nobody's going there to watch the next Alex Ovechkin or excuse me, Alex yeah. Ovechkin, you know, develop in there. Um, so it is what it is, but. Yeah, it's like you said, you both are doing your roles and then one of you gets handcuffed because of a rule and it could also endanger a guy, you know, and so yeah. it's just, I, 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 I've always said and I wanted to, I'm curious to see like, you know, what the actual decision came down to. And again, I don't know, like we said before with the queue, it could be could be an insurance thing for all we know. I have no clue. Yeah. But, you know, it just seems a little silly to me. Um, but I got a couple more a couple more fan questions for you here. Uh, actually, a lot of them I've been wanting you to come back to Worcester and then other people want you to go back to Orlando. So that's been, that's been the one I've gotten to be like, is he coming back to Orlando or is he coming back to Worcester next year? So do, yeah. you, do you know where you're going next year yet or no? No, I don't know. I, I probably won't know till July right? You know, or, or, or maybe even later, but I just, I had to ask cause I know I, I'd gotten yeah. quite a few times. Um, yeah. This one is I'd actually, I was, it was a great question. This is from my buddy, John, who I just had on at the hockey fight league. And he said, um, I'd be interested in hearing from, uh, from Chris, the difference between the South division and the North division in terms of physicality. Yeah. Um, it's a good question. Definitely. I don't think it's any secret. Um, 
the South is a bit more physical. It's yeah. a bit tougher. I think um, I've never played in the Central, so I think the Central is similar, but I, I don't have firsthand experience. But I think like uh, the South and the Central are, are the two most physical and, and toughest um, toughest divisions. And um, one thing that I think separates things a little bit is I find that the kind of like the top six players in the south generally are more willing to be physical too and i think that's a big difference i think like always your 10 and 11 on most teams are gonna gonna have a physical element to them um but i think like the way teams are constructed in the south division is that top to bottom they're they're generally more physical right uh, so and, and definitely like a you know instead of having like maybe one tough guy on each team which the north like there's some teams that don't even have one right every team has at least one and most teams have multiple in the south yeah you know they'll have like one heavy and they got like two other middleweight willing combatants in there too like, yeah uh like even with florida you had new where you got mcdonald and they uh, they let a couple other guys go well they had they Crosley, Crosley earlier, too, yeah, Crosley yeah. earlier in the yeah, year definitely respect to Crosley for sure i was gonna say well speaking of Crosley, yeah you fought him too it was um it was, it was first i think it was first responder night in florida with the firefighter jersey that Crosley was <laughs> i think it was yeah um yeah so take us through that fight with Crosley real quick man yeah so that was uh, a good one too that was like a marathon it was a, it went yeah, for quite a while that, that was a good one and, and big respect to Crossy because that was the second of the night. He fought Olsen earlier, mm-hmm. which which was a, a quicker quicker one. And, um, you know, and I think uh gotta give him credit. I think he probably got the better of Olsen in that one, although, you know, it was definitely both both traded a little bit, but um but uh yeah, the the with Crossley, uh it was uh Boko is kinda like it was weird, like Boko, I think, was mixing things up with him, and and Boko sometimes <laughs> does that. Like he's not like definitely not like like that's not his role at all. But sometimes like he likes to get into it. And he likes to like you know like he'll have a few fights a year for sure, and like he he definitely likes likes to sometimes stir the pot a little bit. So uh, I think like Puck had been like I think maybe he had hit Cross or maybe the other way around, and we were on a breakout and we get the puck in deep and I, I look around cause I, I was like, where, where's Boca? And all I see is Crossy like standing over, <laughs> over Boca. So like, I like stop and sprint <laughs> all the way down the ice. And then I was like, let's go, let's go. And, uh, and we square up and, um, and uh, yeah, we had, we had a, we had a good tilt for sure. Um, we had a pretty long square off. Uh, I think neither one, neither of us really wanted to grab first. We kind of wanted to let the other, other guy grab first. And, uh, and yeah, and, and we, we had, we had some pretty good exchange and it, and it went, went pretty much the distance and, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's definitely one of those ones where you, you definitely feel, feel tired, but like, I was actually disappointed again, like probably every guy says this, but. I was disappointed when the linesman came in because I I was like feeling like like I still had a little bit left in the tank right. and and uh, and I wanted to keep keep going, um, but I think definitely with him playing way more minutes than than I did that night and with that being a second fight of the night I think he he probably had had, 
had reached his limit. Um, so uh, I think the linesman had a had a sense of that and, and came in there. So, well, when you're going into a fight, and I've I've heard different takes from guys. Um, it's like you mentioned the square off, and this question just uh, you know dawned on me. When you are you know waiting to engage. Like, what's going through your head? Is it like quiet? Is everything quiet? Do you hear anything, or is it like you know you're you're ready to rock? Like, what what's uh what's the thought process and mentality while you're squared off like that? Um, just focused and and kind of like in the moment, and uh, I'm pretty calm. I think like I'm generally a pretty calm person. I don't like really get too riled up, and even when I'm like chirping a guy or yelling at a guy like that's something like that i i turn on but like when it comes to like uh actually fighting like i'm i'm pretty calm and i'm just a pretty relaxed person so yeah everything just goes like pretty quiet and i'm just focused and and ready um i don't have too much nerves i don't even feel too amped up you know or anything like i just feel like kind of this like focused and and calm mostly yeah, for sure. And another question I got, and I think I, again, this is another one uh, I think we did in the first interview as well, but of course we've had some new fans and followers since then. And this was asked by old Anthony Collins, former guest of the show. He said, what was it like getting some fight tips from the old Wiley vet of Collins back, uh, back in Norfolk last season? Oh, he's great. Yeah. So having him as a teammate and, and we were line mates a lot, um, was unbelievable because like he's one of the best to to do it in our league like sure like and he gave a lot of he recognized right away that like that that was going to be you know part of my role and part of my identity and part of what would make me successful and and rather than being like well that's what i do so kick rocks kid like he he was like hey let's practice this um we grabbed extra jerseys um and we're working on grabs and in the weight room we had a heavy bag in the weight room we were like working on combos he was showing me like different techniques different uh different things to practice uh you know and 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 all of the stuff that i picked up from him was was huge for me so um and and what was also really cool is like for some of my first fights when we were teammates he was like my cornerman, so <laughs> this is something that like a lot of guys like like laugh about when they hear these stories. But like, if you watch some of the fights that I had, he would be skating right next to me, and he would be yelling like instructions, like a cornerman to me. <laughs> so like the fun, the famous thing that everyone always says is "Uppies, Ordo, Uppies," because <laughs> like you know Collins loves the uppercuts. So uh, in the one fight I had with with Blatchman, <laughs> like I. Uh, it's like he like I knock him down he gets up and I grab like kind of like just in the back of his jersey and like I I tried to throw one over but like there's no opportunity for for over and Collie's just yelling at me like oppies ordo oppies 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 and then eventually like I I I started throwing oppies it's like oh yeah I should probably listen to this guy that's great yeah, that was that was my introduction to you and Nico that night was uh, that yeah. that fight at Center Ice. That was a good one too. And actually, yeah. yeah, you tagged Nico and he got back up. And the I was surprised the lines would let it go, but it, it was a hell of a fight. That was a good one. Yeah, that was another marathon line. Yeah, and respect to Nico, the the very first punch that I land, like I felt like I got all of it, and I was like, wow, I 
I can't believe this guy's standing up. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, yeah. like a fucking Terminator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a zombie here. Yeah, um, well, man, uh, you know, not too much more. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but, you know, what are your uh, what are your plans kind of going into the offseason? What, you know, you're going you're gonna to start training um, as far as, like, maybe doing some fight training again or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I I definitely take the the off season super seriously. Um, I I really try to develop my game both both uh, with the gloves on and the gloves off. So there's a gym that I I go to, um, like a it's like a boxing gym, but there's a bunch of other hockey players that go there, and uh, they do like kind of like fight specific training, um, do boxing, do some like uh, grappling um with a guy that like worked with hockey players for a long time he's like he's like a martial artist like he's a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and he was a pro boxer but like so so we, we do that sort of stuff but but um through the lens of hockey fighting so that was unbelievable of a thing to stumble upon um and then um then, you know, I'm also just lifting and, and skating and stuff and, and uh, you know, really trying to develop the game too. Cause like you, like you alluded to earlier, you know, like um, there's not so many guys anymore that, you know, are strictly, strictly do that. Like you, you really have to play. Right. Uh, and you have to be effective. And um, so it's always, always um, the number one focus, you know, is, is just to try to get as good at, actually playing the game (laughs) (laughs) as possible um and uh you know and and so that's that's the majority of the focus but i do do that uh do that training too especially towards the end of the summer then i pick up that because the uh beginning of the summer like i'll be hitting bags and and stuff like that because i i like it for conditioning and stuff but um but the fight specific stuff is more of the last couple well last like month and a half of, of summer right on. So, yeah um well i, I want to hit this last question here and i've actually i don't think i've ever asked it to anybody but do you who's your favorite enforcer of all time do you have a guy like you've ever tried to kind of yeah i guess mimic or anything like that i wouldn't say mimic but uh i love darren mccarty growing up there you so, go so um uh i i loved like I love just how he played the game. I thought he was really cool. Like <laughs> obviously fight night and the Joe is legendary. Yeah. Um, and uh, he scored some big goals too. Like uh, in that, I think it was, I forget whether it's the 97 or the 98 cup, but there's this highlight of his where like he does like a, I think it's an OT winner. I may even be against the apps. I, I got to look it up. I know exactly which way you're like, talking does about. Does like a full drag around the guy, like comes in, like protects the puck, net drive, like scores like a sick, sick goal. So like a guy, like he, I don't know, he could just do it all. And um, I just loved how he played. And when I was down in Norfolk, I, I was uh, to, to start the year at camp, I was just there on a tryout. So I, I had no, no idea whether I was going to make it or not, but Ryan McGinnis, the, uh, the, the assistant coach and general manager, he came up to me like through one of the skates and he goes, you know, you kind of remind me of Darren McCarty. And when he said that, I was like, I'm fucking <laughs> <this team." laughs> Yeah. 
Uh, oh, that's like, great. I was like, I have no idea, but you know, I don't know how this is going to go. We'll see what happens. But when he said that, I was just like, all right, that's it. Like, there's, yeah. there's no way he got to me now. <laughs> Yeah, you were right too. It was, the, it was the '97 Stanley Cup game-winning goal versus the Flyers. That's it was the '97 year. I couldn't remember because yeah. I was like, because it's funny. Like the, any other stat won't bother me, but if it's a tough guy stat, I gotta find out like right away. It's like my, yeah. my little like I guess like tick I have. I don't know why. Um, but man, you know, thanks again for coming on to the podcast. Uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do a second interview and, uh, you know, talk about this season. I'm looking forward to seeing seeing Chris Ordabody for season three next year too. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully I can stay healthy and have a full, full season. But, um, but yeah, I really wanted to thank you for having me on. And I really want to thank you again for, for all that you do for, for guys like me and for the league. Like I know I've said it before, but, um, and I talked about it a little bit earlier, but like, um, obviously like I, I don't, I think that sometimes the minor leagues can go a little bit on unnoticed and, and we don't get the, the 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 spotlight that that maybe some guys deserve and and that we deserve a little bit but but uh what you do with your podcast and and through social media and and everything is so so huge for for us and and uh and so huge for the league so um it doesn't go unnoticed and and all the guys you know follow along and, and really love what you do so um just keep it going and and thanks for thanks for having me on and and uh yeah Really appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words, man. That means a lot to me. Uh, glad to see at least somebody enjoys the the, the mud show content that I provide for folks. Um, well, man, I appreciate you taking the time. Don't go breaking your finger again before the season, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's stronger than ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the metal pins, you know, did their trick. So for yeah. sure. Well, man, you have yourself a great you evening, all right? You too. Thanks. Fight thanks again. Right. You got